Our fellowship is going to be a little different today. I'm going to take us through the life and ministry of Adoniram Judson. And I want us to just glean a few truths from his life that I think can encourage us, propel us in praying today. But to start off, I'd like to open to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, verse 10. Isaiah says, And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will, will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. One author historian said about Adoniram Judson's life, it's a testimony not only to the Lord drawing men into service, but rather in sustaining men in service. So Adoniram's story is one of what I call long-term grace, long-term grace. Judson was raised in a pastor's family in the New England town of Wenham, Massachusetts. He was an extraordinarily bright young boy. Before long, he was devoting himself to Greek and Latin, and he showed real promise. But by the time he was a teenager, he had begun to reject the faith of his parents. His father was a pastor, but he began to live in a self-willed, arrogant way. But he knew God was wrestling with him. And he writes in his journal that one night, he sat up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night, and the verse that was running through his mind was Psalm 115.1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And that caused him shivers. He couldn't believe that God wanted glory. He was fighting against God's lordship. Soon after his 16th birthday, he headed off to college at Brown University, which is in Rhode Island, where his skepticism grew. And his skepticism, unfortunately, flourished with his roommate, his dear friend, Jacob Eames, so he was becoming more and more hardened to the gospel. He turned to New York City after college, but he ended up penniless and friendless. So it was one fateful night. He was traveling back through Sheffield, Massachusetts, where he was looking for shelter and a place to put his horse and rest for the night. Relieved to find an inn up the road, he actually stopped in. He stabled his horse and he asked the innkeeper, is there any more rooms for me to take? The innkeeper said, well, there's a single room left, but right next door is a man who's very, very sick. He's very ill. He's not doing well. He might keep you up. But um, Judson was so tired. He said, I'll take the room, right? It was not a great night of sleep. But in the morning, Judson asked the innkeeper, all right, thank you for the time here. Whatever became of that man who was groaning and, and, and moaning beside me? And the innkeeper said, that man passed away last night. So a bit shocked, Judson turned around and asked, do you happen to know his name? And the innkeeper replied, it was a man named Jacob Eames. This was Judson's friend from college. The Lord had snatched him in the night right next to his bed. So God begins working in his heart and he eventually brings him to faith. It was months later, Judson was reflecting on scripture. He knew the Lord was at work. He knew the great claims of the gospel and he finally bowed the knee. God broke through and he was saved. So owing everything to God and realizing that his time on earth was so brief, 
Judson returned home to Massachusetts with a real desire to do God's will. And he actually went to seminary in Andover, Massachusetts. And between classes in his little dorm room, he began to study the lives of missionaries. Uh, just like kind of we're doing now with Judson. He read a book called The Star in the East, which tells of the tales of gospel work in the Far East. He caught a vision and a burden, and he remembers Jeremiah saying, Hear, O earth, O earth, the word of the Lord. And that became something of, of a heartbeat for Judson. He wanted that to define his life. So if you know your, your church history, India had been already reached by the London Missionary Society, a man named William Carey. But beyond India, further to the east, lay the land of the Golden Shore, Burma, or what we call now Myanmar. It was untouched by missionaries. Judson studied and prayed, and he set his heart. And he says again in his diary, he never doubted his destiny. He knew where God was taking him. He courted a young lady named Anne. And here's a great quote, because he asked Anne's father, not just for her hand, her hand in, in marriage, but he also asked if she would be willing to go with him to a foreign, untouched land by the gospel. And he says, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, perhaps a violent death. And here's the key. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and you? For the sake of the perishing, immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God. That's quite the way to ask for your wife. But he did it, and his father, Anne's father, said yes, and they were happily married. The American Commission Board for Foreign Missions took them on as missionaries for $660 a year, plus $300 for books. They, Anne and Adoniram, and three other couples were to be sent out in the year 1812. They arrived in 1812 from Cape Cod to India, and they met William Carey. William Carey basically told them, you are welcome here, friends, but I understand that you want to go further on to Burma. Do not do it. He said, it's too dangerous. It's too dark. It's too primitive. But again, Judson writes, the prospects are as bright as the promises of God. So with courage in his heart, he, he went out. Burma's population at that time was like 17 million people. Uh, geographically slightly smaller than the state of Texas. I know we have at least one person from Texas on. A couple missionaries had tried to invade this land with the message of scripture in 1809, but they had left discouraged, sick, and tired. Upon arrival, Anne and Adoniram were struck with the pagan lifestyles of the Burmese. They were worshiping Buddha. There was a coldness and a harshness to their culture. There was no hope. They, they worshipped according to their own imaginations. There was a beautiful Shui Dagon Pagoda dating back to the 6th century. It was a Buddhist temple, and inside there were eight hairs from Buddha. And this is the centerpiece of this culture, worshipping these bits of hair, apparently from Buddha. It was about this time when they got there that their first son, Roger, was born. The pride and joy of Anne and Adoniram. He was a gift from God, but there was another sacrifice to be made. Roger would actually catch a fever in 1816, and he wouldn't make it. 
he would pass away. And, and Judson wrote, our little Roger died Saturday morning. This is the fourth day, and we just begin to think, what can we do for the heathen? Oh, may we not suffer in vain. May this bereavement be sanctified to our souls. The Lord would actually take three of the five children, including Anne, his first wife. And Judson says, if I had not felt certain that every additional trial was or ordered by infinite love and mercy, I could not have survived my accumulated sufferings. He said, it's more than I can bear unless I know that God's sovereign hand guided it all. Judson, remember, he, he's a, a linguist. He's very bright. He dedicated himself 12 hours a day for five months to learn the, the Pali and the Burmese language. One of his goals was to translate the scriptures for the first time. He actually worked and built out a grammar, English to Burmese grammar, that is, as far as I know, still used today to help translation. This was a hard going six years before the first soul came to Christ. The first convert's name was Maung Nao. And Judson says, he drank in the truths of the gospel and gave his heart, we trust, to the Lord Jesus. Six years in. Ten years in, there were 18 believers, and Judson had finished the New Testament in the native tongue. The promises of God were accompanied by the afflictions of God in this missionary's life. Following Anne's death particularly, and we're almost done, Judson battled grief and depression tremendously. He exiled himself, deepened into the jungle where the natives thought he's gone to die. He's not coming back. And, and he struggled with, with God. He struggled with the belief that God was not giving fruit. But the struggle was real and the struggle was good because it was a struggle for faith. Maybe like some of us today. Leaning on God for comfort and solace, Judson saw fruit. The first indigenous pastor was ordained to lead a small congregation. And believe it or not, this was one of 100 churches planted in his lifetime. You went from nobody, six years in, one soul, 10 years later, to 100 churches. Judson was faithful to, to befriend these people, plant churches, preach the gospel courageously, and, and his Bible translation work until his death in 1850. And it was reported that there were 8,000 true believers at the time of Judson's passing. And like I said, his legacy continues to go on and on. God uses this story in our lives. And one thing Judson said that I think can help us today, very important, he said, our prayers run along one road and God's answers by another road. And by and by, they do meet. I hope that can encourage us and refresh us today as we pray.